0: I I don't O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, April 16. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, explanations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal-clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for our spirit, as it is written in Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit, as it is written in Isaiah 55.11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Did you know that you can now listen to Daily Audio Torah on multiple platforms? Find us on SoundCloud, Anchor FM, and Spotify. Stream wirelessly to your speaker, or listen on the go on your smartphone. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Tazria, and it means, She Conceives. Leviticus 14, 33-57 When you enter the land of Canaan that I give you, as a possession, and I inflict an eruptive plague upon a house in the land you possess, the owner of the house shall come and tell the Kohen, saying, Something like a plague has appeared upon my house. The Kohen shall order the house cleared before the Kohen enters to examine the plague so that nothing in the house may become unclean. After that, the Kohen shall enter to examine the house. If, when he examines the plague, the plague in the walls of the house is found to consist of greenish or reddish streaks that appear to go deep into the wall, the Kohen shall come out of the house to the entrance of the house and close up the house for seven days. On the seventh day the Kohen shall return. If he sees that the plague has spread on the walls of the house, the Kohen shall order the stones with the plague in them to be pulled out and cast outside the city into an unclean place. The house shall be scraped inside, all around, and the coating that is scraped off shall be dumped outside the city in an unclean place. They shall take other stones and replace those stones with them and take other coating and plaster the house. If the plague again breaks out in the house after the stones have been pulled out and after the house has been scraped and replastered, the Cohen shall come to examine. If the plague has spread in the house, it is a malignant eruption in the house. It is unclean. The house shall be torn down. It's stones and timber, and all the coating on the house, and taken to an unclean place outside the city. Whoever enters the house while it is closed up shall be unclean until evening. Whoever sleeps in the house must wash his clothes, and whoever eats in the house must wash his clothes. If, however... The Kohen comes and sees that the plague has not spread in the house after the house was replastered. The Kohen shall pronounce the house clean, for the plague has healed. To purge the house he shall take two birds, cedar wood, crimson stuff, and hyssop. He shall slaughter the one bird over fresh water in an earthen vessel. He shall take the cedar wood, the hyssop, the crimson stuff, and the live bird, and dip them in the blood of the slaughtered bird and the fresh water, and sprinkle on the house seven times. Having purged the house with the blood of the bird, the fresh water, the live bird, the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the crimson stuff, he shall set the live bird free outside the city in the open country. Thus he shall make expiation for the house, and it shall be clean. Such is the ritual for every eruptive affection, for skulls, for an eruption on a cloth or a house, for swellings, for rashes, or for discolorations, to determine when they are unclean and when they are clean. Such is the ritual concerning eruptions. Joshua 13.1-14.15 Joshua was now old, advanced in years. Hashem said to him, You have grown old, you are advanced in years, and very much of the land still remains to be taken possession of. This is the territory that remains, all the districts of the Philistines and all those of the Geshurites." From the Shihor, which is close to Egypt, to the territory of Ekron on the north, are accounted Canaanite, namely, those of the five lords of the Philistines the Gazites, the Ashdodites, the Ashkelonites, the Gidtites, and the Ekronites, and those of Avim on the south. Further, all the Canaanite country from Mira of the Sidonians to Aphek at the Amorite border and the land of the Gebelites, with the whole valley of the Lebanon, from Baal Gad at the foot of Mount Hermon to Libu Hamath on the east, with all the inhabitants of the hill country, from the valley of Lebanon to Meseraphath, Maim, namely all the Sidonians. I myself will dispossess those nations for the Israelites. You have only to apportion their lands by lot among Israel, as I have commanded you. Therefore, divide this territory into hereditary portions for the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now the Reubenites and the Gadites, along with the other half-tribe, had already received the shares which Moses assigned to them on the east side of the Jordan, as assigned to them by Moses the servant of Hashem. From Aror, on the edge of the Wadi Arnon and the town in the middle of the wadi, the entire tableland from Medeba to Dibon, embracing all the towns of King Sihon of the Amorites, who had reigned in Heshbon up to the border of the Ammonites, further Gilead, the territories of the Geshurites and the Macathites, and all of Mount Hermon and the whole of Bashan up to Salka, the entire kingdom of Og, who had reigned over Bashan at Ashtaroth and at Edri. He was the last of the remaining Rephaim. These were defeated and dispossessed by Moses. But the Israelites failed to dispossess the Geshurites, and the Macathites, and Gesher and Machath remain among Israel to this day. No hereditary portion, however, was assigned to the tribe of Levi, their portion being the fire offerings of Hashem, the God of Israel, as He spoke concerning them. And so Moses assigned the following to the tribe of the Reubenites for their various clans, and it became theirs. The territory from Aror on the edge of the Wadi Arnon, and the town in the middle of the Wadi, up to Medeba the entire tableland, Heshbon and all its towns in the tableland, Debon, bamoth Baal, beth Baalmeon, meon Jahaz, Mephath, Curiathame, Sibmah, and Zerath-Shahar in the hill of the valley, Beth-Peor, the slopes of Pisgah, and beth Jeshemath, all the towns of the Tableland and the entire kingdom of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who had reigned in Heshbon. For Moses defeated him and the Midianite chiefs, Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, who had dwelt in the land as princes of Sihon. Together with the others that they slew, the Israelites put Balaam, son of Beor, the augur, to the sword. The boundary of the Reubenites was the edge of the Jordan. That was the portion of the Reubenites for their various clans, those towns with their villages. To the tribe of Gad for the various Gadite clans, Moses assigned the following. And it became their territory. Jazer, all the towns of Gilead, part of the country of the Ammonites up to Arur, which is close to Rabbah, and from Heshbon to Ramath Mizpeh, and Betonim, from Mehenem to the border of Lidbeer, and in the valley Beth Haram, Beth Nimrah, Sukkot, and Zaphon, the rest of the kingdom of Sihon, the king of Heshbon, down to the edge of the Jordan, and up to the tip of the Sea of Canareth, on the east of the Jordan. This was the portion of the Gadites for their various clans, those towns with their villages. And to the half-tribe of Manasseh, Moses assigned the following, so that it went to the half-tribe of Manasseh for its various clans, and became their territory. Mahanaim, all of Bashan, the entire kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, and all of Habath jer in Bashan, 60 towns, and part of Gilead and Ashtaroth and Edri, the royal cities of Og and Bashan, were assigned to the descendants of Maker son of Manasseh, to a part of the descendants of Maker, for their various clans. Those then were the portions that Moses assigned in the steppes of Moab, on the east side of the Jordan. But no portion was assigned by Moses to the tribe of Levi. HaShem, the God of Israel, is their portion, as he spoke concerning them. And these are the allotments of the Israelites in the land of Canaan that were apportioned to them by the Kohen Eleazar, by Joshua, son of Nun, and by the heads of the ancestral houses of the Israelite tribes. The portions that fell to them by Lot, as Hashem had commanded through Moses, for the nine and a half tribes. For the portion of the other two and a half tribes had been assigned to them by Moses on the other side of the Jordan. He had not assigned any portion among them to the Leviim. For whereas the descendants of Joseph constituted two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, the Leviim were assigned no share in the land but only some towns to live in with the pastures for their livestock and cattle. Just as Hashem had commanded Moses, so the Israelites did when they apportioned the land. The Judites approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what instructions Hashem gave at Kadesh Barnea to Moses, the man of Hashem, concerning you and me. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of Hashem, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I gave him a forthright report. While my companions who went up with me took the heart out of the people, I was loyal to Hashem my God. On that day, Moses promised on oath, The land on which your foot trod shall be a portion for you and your descendants forever, because you were loyal to hashem my god now hashem has preserved me as he promised it is 45 years since hashem made this promise to moses when israel was journeying through the wilderness and here i am today 85 years old i am still as strong today as on the day that moses sent me my strength is the same now as it was then for battle and for activity So, assign to me this hill country as HaShem promised on that day. Though you too heard on that day that Anakites are there and great fortified cities, if only HaShem is with me, I will dispossess them as HaShem promised. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and assigned Hebron to him as his portion. Thus Hebron became the portion of Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, as it still is, because he was loyal to Hashem, the God of Israel. The name of Hebron was formerly Kiriat Arba. Arba was the great man among the Anakites, and the land had rest from war. Luke to 17 And he, Yeshua, spoke a parable to them, Yeshua's disciples, to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith On the earth. And he spoke this parable to certain which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself God, I thank you that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast. Twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes to heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. And they brought to him also infants, that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Yeshua called them to him, and said, Suffer, little children, to come to me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say to you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God, as a little child, shall in no wise enter therein. Psalm Eighty-five, to 13 Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. Selah. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned yourself from the fierceness of your anger. Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you draw out your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is near them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us in the way of his steps. Proverbs 13, 7 and 8 There is that makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and there is that makes himself poor, yet has great riches. The ransom of a man's life are his riches, but the poor hears not rebuke. I'd like to speak to you today from Joshua, chapter 13 and 14, and then we're going to jump into Luke, chapter 18. And in Joshua, chapter 13, we are seeing the assignment of the land to the different tribes. And this chapter concludes with a final verse. Chapter 13, verse 33 But no portion was assigned by Moses to the tribe of Levi. Hashem, the God of Israel, is their portion, as He spoke concerning them. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The tribe of Levi is the only one who was not assigned a portion of land. Instead of land, Hashem is to be their inheritance. The Kohenim, or the priests, and the Leviim, the Levites, are to perform the special task of serving in the Holy Temple and teaching Hashem's Torah to the people. In return, the people as a whole are obligated to support them financially by giving them special gifts from produce grown in Eretz Israel, as commanded in the Torah. In the case of the Kohenim, they are also to receive portions of certain sacrifices. Although in our era these gifts are not given, Jews still separate a small amount of all produce grown in Israel. The continuation of this practice is a constant reminder of the sacred obligation to make sure that all members of society are provided with a sufficient livelihood. So then in chapter 14, a very interesting conversation happens between Joshua between Caleb and Joshua and as you can recall at the very beginning of the book of Joshua and also in numbers we have the account of Joshua and Caleb were two of the twelve spies that spied out the promised land Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report and they said we can surely take this land for god is with us but the other ten spies came back and they had a negative report and they said that there's giants in the land and we're as grasshoppers in their eyes and they sowed seeds of doubt fear and unbelief throughout the camp it spread like wildfire and and this disheartened the people and so then they weren't going to go in and take the promised land and because of this Their consequence was they wandered for 40 years in the desert. And it wasn't until the next generation that the next generation was able to go in and take the promised land. So now Caleb is reminding Joshua of the promise that God made to him, that he was going to get a special portion of land. And he's going now to Joshua to say, uh, you see this land here? This is it. This is the land I would like to have. This is the promise that was made to me uh, 45 years ago. He made this promise to Moses. And here I am today. I'm 85 years old now. And I'm just as strong as I was then. And he's saying, please, verse 12. So assign to me this hill country as Hashem promised on that day. Though you too heard on that day that Anakites are there in great fortified cities, if only Hashem is with me, I will dispossess them as Hashem promised. Verse 13. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and assigned Hebron to him as his portion. Now, as a side note, Hebron, if you've ever been to Israel, is towards the southern part of the nation. And Hebron is where the cave of the patriarchs is. This is where Abraham and Sarah and uh, Jacob and his wife and and the patriarchs are buried in this cave. And um, it is pretty much a uh, Palestinian-dominated town, but there is a strong Jewish presence there as well. So, anyway, we're seeing here in this verse that Hebron is being given to Caleb. Now, the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The ancient city of Hebron is also known as Kiryat Arba, although today the name Kiryat Arba is used for a modern suburb, next to the ancient holy city. There, Abraham bought the cave of Machpelah to serve as the burial site of his wife, Sarah. This cave then became the burial site of all the patriarchs and three of the matriarchs. Rachel is buried in Bethlehem. Joshua gave this city, located within the territory of the tribe of Yehudah, as a special inheritance to Caleb, son of Jephunneh. Rashi explains that when Caleb was sent by Moses to scout out the land, he prayed at the cave of Machpelah, asking God to help him avoid being influenced by the evil spies. Indeed, he remained loyal to Hashem and to his promise to give the land of Israel to the children of Israel. It is therefore fitting that he is rewarded with Hebron as his inheritance, and he bravely fights to claim it. Today, the Jewish residents of Hebron follow in Caleb's footsteps Despite many violent threats to their existence in the city, such as a brutal massacre in 1929 and many more recent terrorist attacks, they bravely preserve both their own community and the rights of the entire Jewish people to pray in the Holy Cave of Machpelah. Continuing on, in Luke chapter 18, we see an interesting parable. Now remember, the Bible is written in code. The whole Bible is written in code, and um, you have to decipher or decode it to get to the deeper meaning. So Yeshua spoke often in parables. And so if a casual reader is reading, they're only going to get the Peshat or the surface level meaning of the verse it's a little bit like walking on a a dirt pathway a road out in the country and if you're looking for hidden gold um you know you're not just going to find it lying on the ground you're normally going to have to get a shovel and do some digging dig down into the ground to find the vein of gold or silver so he's speaking in a parable And so we're going to do some digging to unpack uh, this parable. And so in this parable, he talks about a judge that does not fear God. And there's a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, avenge me of my adversary. And the judge was wicked and he wouldn't do anything for a while. But afterwards, he thought to himself, I don't fear God, nor do I regard man. But because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her because she's wearying me. And the Lord says, Hear what the unjust judge said, Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. What's the principle here? What's the deeper meaning? The principle has to do with intercession and prayer. That when we cry out to God, over an unjust situation. Whether it's in our own personal life, perhaps there's a great injustice going on in a work situation or in a marriage or in a family situation. Or we could be crying out to God over the unjustness going on in our nation with um, great evil rising up. And tyranny rising up and um, the sovereignty of our, la- our nation and our land uh, going away and getting swallowed up with globalist interests and uh, that sort of thing with, you know, human trafficking and abortion and um, all of these evil agendas that are even expressing themselves in school curriculums. So what what... Whatever the unjust situation is, when we cry out to God and we persevere and we continue to cry out and we continue to cry out and we continue to cry out to him, he is going to hear and he is going to answer. We are not to quit. We are not to give up. We are to persevere and we are to endure. Let me give you an example. There were a lot of people, a lot of Christians of many different streams and denominations that were interceding and praying from November to January that somehow the election results, which were fraudulent, would be overturned. That somehow there would be some kind of an action that President Trump would take to... um, let the truth come forth and let the truth come out. They were hoping that, you know, perhaps Vice President Pence would take an action or that, you know, the courts would take an action or that Trump himself would take some kind of an action to overturn the results because they were fraudulent. Um, the whole voting system was completely compromised. And yet, and so many pr- people prayed very fervently for a long time, daily. And in the end, it didn't happen. And on Inauguration Day, Biden was inaugurated. Now, quite honestly, a lot of people became very disappointed and discouraged and despondent and in despair. And and I was there myself. I, I just really, really got discouraged. But the Lord reminded me, that it's not a man who's going to save this nation. It's only Yeshua, Jesus Christ, who can save this nation and any nation. Whether you're in Europe or Africa or Canada or Asia or South America or wherever you are, it's only Yeshua and him alone who can ultimately save your nation. We are not to put our hope in any one single man. And yet, God does hear our cries. He hears our moanings. He sees the injustice, that there's not justice coming forth out of the legal system, out of the court system. And um, he sees the suffering of so many people who've not been able to work. They've been shuttered in and locked down and quarantined and unable to work. Now, some are blessed and are able to work from home, but a lot of people in the service industry and hospitality, um, they have lost their jobs. Many businesses have closed down and will never reopen. And so as we cry out to the Lord over these unjust Situations he hears, and the bowl in heaven of the prayers of the saints gets more and more full. And when it gets completely full to the rim, there will come a day when an angel will light that bowl of incense, which is the prayers of the saints, on fire, tip the bowl over, and the answer will come, and it will come suddenly and quickly and powerfully. So I share this to encourage you. Do not despair. Don't give up. Keep on praying. Keep on crying out. Be like this woman. Be persistent. And the Lord will answer. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Ye adonai vish mereka ye adonai anavilaka V'kunneka Yissa Adonai Na'av eleka V'yase leka leka Shau